This episode is sponsored by SoFi. Pay off high interest debt with low rates. Find out how at SOFI.com. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and are you still nursing that beer from last week? (laughs) (laughs) I I usually sip it very slowly. It's just flat. One or two sips a day. (laughs) Uh, Dude, I'm awesome, and I'm drinking a Hophazard, an unfiltered American Pale from my favorite brewing company, or at least a top three. Dogfish Uh, River Horse. I just, oh, River Horse. I just that's love right. River Horse. It's that's right. Tasty and something about that hippo. Um, what are your favorite breweries? Oh Is shit! Oma Gang one. I I, I was going to say Oma Gang. Um, I do a, a weekly Game of Thrones thing with my friends, and we, yeah. get, we get the latest uh, brew. Um, I love River Horse, and I really I really like Rogue. Actually, I really like Rogue, mm-hmm. and I really like Six Point as well. Okay. Nice. So four. Yeah, I top, like top uh, three, four. Mm. You know, Coors. You know, like uh, <laughs> like like Natty Light. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, there was an article on because like Budweiser wants to change the name of the beer to America for the some event or something. What? And they're trying to get approval from the U.S. Trade. Blah blah blah. And I, I was like looking it up, and they have their bottles are named America, and it's like Plutus, Enum, whatever, you know that the thing. And okay. there was a link to Beer Advocate, and they got like a two point something out of five. And it's people who are like legitimately trying Budweiser, and who have like not had it ever, and mm-hmm. and they're like rating it on like, you know, on its like smell and taste, and everyone's like it's watered down, and it's just interesting. Yeah. Oh man. Budweiser, water in a can. <laughs> All right, legit. My favorite three breweries, probably Pauliner, because they make oh. the Hefeweizen I really like. Yeah, Pauliner um, is awesome. Belching Beaver, which is a small Californian brewery, and the only reason they're one of my favorites is because they make their peanut butter milk stout, Ooh. which I have only had once because you cannot get it outside of California, I believe, or at least you can't get it in Iowa. Um, for, and I looked in New Jersey when I was there. They couldn't get it there either. Mm. And that peanut butter beer, man, it's just so good. See, milk style, you got me. Peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, uh, dude, you got to try it. Try it before you make a judgment. Um, it's almost like you're eating a Reese's. You get like a hint of peanut butter. But it's like mostly beer. I don't know. It's It might be my favorite beer that I've ever had. Dude, what's the third brewery? Yeah, I'll be on the edge of my chair. Okay. If I'm in Japan... It's probably um, either Asahi or Kirin, but uh, the Asahi and Kirin they sell here in America is brewed in like Wisconsin, I think, mm. and it just doesn't taste quite as good. So I'll probably Guinness if I can buy stuff at the store. I was gonna say so if you're in Iowa, it's Guinness. Yeah, I, I like I like a Guinness, and I've never had a proper Guinness in like Dublin. So who knows? Maybe I'll go to Dublin and taste it, and oh. then be like, that American stuff is terrible. <laughs> My friends who, who I drink the Omega Gang with and watch Game of Thrones, they they they've been to Ireland a couple times, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they just say like you can't even compare. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I was gonna be drinking something. I'm drinking a Lacroix right now. Mm. Lacroix. <laughs> um, anywho, guys. Today's catchphrase um, is actually from P.T. Barnum, so pretty old. Money's a terrible master, but an excellent servant. Really good quote. 
And uh, Joanne sent us to that sent us that quote through email. So if you want your catchphrases on the show, you can email them to us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com or on Twitter where we prefer them. We are at Money Matters Man. So tweet us your catchphrases and you'll get them on the show. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So today we're doing five questions. I am personally a fan of the five questions episodes. I love doing these. Me too. So we got five good ones and we actually researched this time. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think we usually do, but uh, I think I put a, a good amount of time into some of these because some of these questions I knew nothing to about. To be clear, if we don't say that we've researched it, that doesn't mean that we didn't research it. Although yeah, it probably okay. meant that we did. A lot of times <laughs> it means that uh, I assume Andrew knows everything there is to know about the questions. Mm. But this time I was like, yeah, you know what? I've never even heard of a couple of these things like trade lines. That is a trade line. Ooh, that's going to be an Anywho, interesting one. That's question number two, though. Mm. So we're going to get to question number one first, and this question comes from Matthew, and uh, I'm going to move my Evernote window over here so I'm not like craning my lips to the microphone. <laughs> and he said, can you guys explain the difference between a regular 401k versus a profit sharing 401k? Uh, what's the difference between the two? And can you draw from both early? So I feel like thing- I should have read this question because you did monstrous research here. So I'm just yeah, gonna, I know everything. I'm just going to like it. recline back on my chair and let you take this one away. <laughs> Well, I'm going to take a nap. See it, uh, see it off. <laughs> so easy. So the thing you have to understand is that it's not a profit-sharing 401k. There are 401k plans, and then there are profit-sharing plans. And I'm going to explain the differences between them here. So a profit-sharing plan is where your employer contributes some of the profit of the company towards your retirement. And this is solely and entirely employer funded you are not contributing any of your salary any of your paycheck towards this fund it's entirely your boss or the company putting money in now sometimes these are linked with 401k plans so you might have a 401k plan that is uh, set up as a profit sharing entity so your employer is contributing money to your 401k through a profit sharing setup. however their contributions don't count as like you're against your contributions so like you can contribute and yeah, they yeah, yeah. throw $100,000 in. It might be, it, yeah, it might be mixed. That's independent and it's a separate number. Yep. So a few of the things about profit sharing here, the contributions are not mandatory. So it's not like there's laws in place saying like you have to contribute 2% of the profit to each employer or something like that. But there's just like this legal wording that they must be quote unquote substantial and recurring. Mm. Um, be and nice usually, to your boss. Yeah, be nice to your boss, right? <laughs> I mean, that's always a, that's a pro tip. Um, and they're usually a percentage of your salary. So that means if you have a higher salary, then you should have higher profit sharing. Um, so by contrast, a 401k is where you are the primary contributor to your account. Some employers will match a certain percentage. Like I've, I've heard a standard one where employers do match. is like maybe up to 3% of your contributions. Mm. Some do 6%. Uh, but there's no requirement for a 401k to have an employer match. So a lot of them, uh, as we're going to get to another question in this episode, it's just you put money in and there's no matching at all. Mm. And even if a match is given in like one year, that's not a guarantee that the match is going to exist forever because your employer can actually suspend the match in future years. Mm. So if you you know interview at a company and they're like, yeah, bro, we have a 6% 401k match, um, you know, in all likelihood, they're going to keep that and they're going to be cool people, but they do have the right to get rid of that match later on in the future. I also want, want to clarify these numbers is because a 6%, so when I hear 6% 401k match, that, because there's two percentages. 
Oh, do you hear six percent of your salary? So that's what I hear is six percent okay, of yeah. your salary or six percent of your is. salary. Like they will contribute up to six percent of your salary, twenty five cents in the dollar. So like if you contribute, say six percent of your salary was like, I don't know, two thousand dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they would, you know, contribute a quarter of that, you know, whatever quarter of two thousand is. Right, right. So five hundred. Like, Actually, you know what? This is the one thing I didn't like. Make sure I was clear. It's six percent of your salary, but you have to because contribute enough. When to I get was that. at when I was at Barclays, it was six percent of my salary, and they would match me a hundred percent. So if every thousand I put in up to that six percent right. of my salary, they would also put in a thousand dollars. So yeah, it's six percent of your salary, but you have to put that in. Yeah, and then it's I, not like they're just going to give you an extra six percent. Oh, even if exactly. You nothing. You have to contribute six percent of your salary, and, like, and then they'll match it. IHeart will do like a lesser percent, like four or five percent, and they'll only match twenty five percent of whatever. Oh, really? Whatever okay. Contribute. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I mean, this is like the in, the employer contribution is what we usually, or is the reason that we usually recommend contributing to your four hundred one k because if your employer is going to match a hundred percent of six percent of your salary, that means you're getting a hundred percent return. That's sick. On like, investment, never leave that job. That's the best. Yeah, it's the best return on investment you're going to possibly get with that money. Um, I don't know why I left that job. <laughs> I don't know. Why. No, I, don't know why. I don't know what I was doing. I was why young would and I stupid. leave Lehman Brothers? I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel. I feel like they made me leave. They're like, we don't have money anymore. I don't know, man. I feel like they were just. That was like their way of just letting me go, letting me down easy. It's made up this whole fake. They're probably thing just, just happily to fire me. trucking along without me now. They felt so bad. so um the other two little parts here with 401ks and with profit sharing you have to uh know what like what how vesting works so with a 401k Mm. your contributions vest right away investing means you have access to them not immediately but in retirement but employer contributions whether they be profit sharing or just matching they can have vesting requirements. A lot of places will require you to work there for, say, like two years, three years before your 401k matches. And I remember we actually interviewed somebody. Um, I can't remember what her name was. I think it was at this Financial Life episode where she had worked at this place for like two years and 11 months and like 15 days. And vesting happened in three years. I think that was and Lindsay. Then, that was Lindsay, yeah. yeah. And then they like they laid off her whole department or some crap like that. And it was like, all it's right, yeah. You, you know, you've been here for like, 99% of the time required. And if you're investing, smart but, and you're, uh, you're maxing you. all that matching and stuff, that's a lot to. Yeah. And and also like the way that it works is like, and it's kind of sucks because so if it's a three year vesting period, right at year three, everything doesn't vest just year one vests year two has to wait oh. to year four year three has to wait to year six to vest. So it's like, is that so, how that works? Yeah. So you, so the way it, that's how they keep you there. And that's the same way the RSUs restricted stock units work. That's how like, I didn't know that one. There will always be a point where you're going to leave money on the table there. Right. And that's kind yeah. of like the thing when you're picking a new job, you just have to weigh that out. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So last bit here is withdrawal. With a 401k, the only way you can withdraw without uh, retiring, without being of age, is a hardship withdrawal. So you have to be able to prove, like, hey, I live like living on the street, eating cockroaches and and paint chips. Like, then you can you can get a hardship a hardship withdrawal. 
But with a private sharing plan, actually it's the administrator of the plan who has decision-making power for pre-retirement withdrawals. So if your boss so, loves you and he's giving you a lot of profit sharing, your boss may also love you to withdraw early. You're saying. Yeah, yeah, it might happen. Hmm. You know, hashtag nepotism. That's so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, well, nepotism is more like family. It's friends are in there. No, right? dude, hashtag nepotism. Okay, yeah. hashtag nepotism. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Seriously. That's how the world works. <laughs> Anywho, so Matthew, hopefully that answers the question sufficiently for you. Uh, moving on to question number two. Now, this was an interesting one. I had not heard of it, but this one, and it this, sounds like shady as shit, I'm going to say. Well, okay, so it only <laughs> sounds like shady like shit because we had a whole conversation beforehand. Okay, yeah. We, uh, okay, I could see, I've, I've seen shady as shit stuff online talking about this, but I think there's non-shady ways to do it. So uh, Bradley asks, are trade lines even a legit way to build credit or is it just a scheme? I'm a late bloomer with, uh, with all right, yeah, I'm a late bloomer with my credit. And I'm looking for a way to build it up. And also, and I think he like slipped a second question in here. Are we gonna allow this? This is this is like question. This is like a Trojan horse of questions here. Damn it! This. All right, I guess we have to. We'll now. allow it just once. All right, because I read whatever's on the screen. Mm. <laughs> and where should I put my money? I'm saving for a vacation in a Capital One 360 savings account mixed with my Betterment Build Wealth account, Acorns, or some other strategy. Uh, not Acorns. And if you're saving for a vacation, I'm guessing you're going to do it within the next year. Or so probably just a savings account. You know, if you search like Acorns versus Betterment or Betterment versus Acorns, I'm number one at Google. Boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Acorns is good, except for that they steal all your money. You know, you know what you really should not good. use. I, I, I always like to stay positive. I don't want to like do all the dramatic, negative, like skies falling shit. And then I saw Stash Invest. And I got so angry. What I, is this? Stash Invest is an app, and I and yeah, everyone's gonna go Google it now. And uh, fine, don't download it. They rip you the fuck off. Like and but I mean, everyone who's writing reviews about it is great. I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll talk I feel about. Feel like I saw. Did you write something about this? I'm almost done. It's gonna be posted soon because I know we have our we have like our review uh, page now. Yeah, it's go. It's gonna be in there soon. I thought I saw it on there. Maybe no. I didn't. Maybe I dreamed it. Maybe. I knew I was looking at it and I was like, okay, we have a review page. Where's the negative reviews? They're coming, like, dude. They're we've coming. We've only reviewed products <laughs> that we like so far. And I mean, like, yeah. It's because the thing is, people don't really get fees. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, I, I'm going to say <laughs> that. That's going to be really good. Uh, although, if, if you're so inclined, go check out Stash Invest, and you could probably discover on your own how well they fuck you. Um, <laughs> and, and I just want to say that it's a proper fuck. It's not like a sloppy one. I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> I opened your Acorns vs. Betterment review, and you just have this gif of a plastic T-Rex coming towards a cat. <laughs> that just goes bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop watching it. <laughs> I know, dude. So all my reviews, I've been trying to add like this like epic gif in. But uh, anyways, <laughs> let, let's talk trade lines. Okay, all right. So so your 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 Trojan horse question, Bradley. Mm. Just put in your savings account. You know, maybe if you threw it in your Betterment account, you'd make like a percent on it or something. But you might also lose a percent. Like yeah. it's not gonna matter. Just put it in your savings account. That's what I'm saying. Short term. <clears throat> that's for the savings or checking yep. account. All right, but so trade lines. Trade so what lines. You told me here is that like. Wait, can I tell you what I told you? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, trade lines is like an industry term for an account. 
So on your credit report, if you have like five credit cards, you have like five trade lines, right? Mm -hmm. Or you have like five credit cards and uh, checking account and whatever mixed, like that's five trade lines. Yeah, yeah. So is a trade line a legit way to build credit? It's actually the only way to build credit. But the, the question implies something much more. And yeah, so it's like a credit account record. So it's not not like a bank account, right? So imagine that wouldn't matter. That wouldn't. So if you search trade line, right, as with anything that uh, is probably inappropriate, all the top sites are really shady and just shitty. Yeah. Um, and, and you look and so if you dig deeper, the way that it works is like there are marketplaces for trade lines or credit accounts. So imagine I have a credit card that I've had for six years and has a five thousand dollar limit and I've paid on time one hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey Thomas, you need some credit? I will sell you my credit card account for $500 and I add you on as an authorized user and then you remove me as an authorized user and now you have my six-year credit line with 100% on-time payments and that adds to your credit score supposedly this this structure that you've just uh, laid out for me sounds like fraud it does sound like fraud and like it's like I have one like like shitty bum of a friend who's totally irresponsible and untrustworthy. And then I've got like one like shining paragon of virtue friend and like the shit friends like, Hey, good friend. Can you, uh, borrow 500 bucks from Tom and then give it to me and I'll pay my rent. Like, that's what it sounds like. Mm. It's like, I think it's another Trojan horse. This is a Trojan horse and a Trojan horse. And dude, uh, so then like they, they have this for like companies too. And so I'm just like quoting this from a site. A company will establish a corporation to get accounts under that corporate name with the goal of quote unquote flipping it. They will then sell this shell corp- shelf corporation to another business with the promise they will immediately have access to thousands of dollars in credit lines. So imagine I created a list of money matters. And I mean, if you open an LLC, you will know as, as well as Thomas and I do that you're just getting a million credit card offers. People just want mm. you to open up credit. And so what happens is imagine I, I did list of money matters LLC. I opened up some credit. I never actually did anything with this money matters. And then I sold the LLC to someone. So they just have credit. Okay. All right. So those are the, douchey scammy slimy ways of trade lines but there are some legit ways you can do this so i want to say just real quick like there are there are marketplaces out there you could buy these things i definitely don't think that you should do this yeah don't don't even go you're gonna find yourself on the deep web somehow you're just gonna be like some suspicious packages are gonna show up at your house you're gonna know the yakuza eventually i don't even know man it's just (laughs) not gonna go well you know, we have like our own hacks that we talk about and stuff to improve your credit. That's way, that's cheaper, easier, and you're not, you're probably not going to get screwed. Less mafia. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, there are ways of adding other credit lines to your uh, to your name mm-hmm. that can help increase your credit score. For example, you were able to add Laura to one of your credit cards, right? Yeah. So uh, we, were, we were talking before the episode, and Laura, Laura um. When I met her, had really shitty credit, which is not a surprise to anyone who's been listening for a while. And she's worked and dramatically improved her credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's done it on her own. Um, 
And one thing that really, really helped, which I, which was very surprising to me, is I added I added her on as an authorized user to one of my main cards that mm-hmm. I had for a while. All on time payments, huge limit, a limit that they would definitely not allow her to have. And she got a credit report. And it showed up on there, and it was it was as if it was hers. Like it, yeah. it wasn't like it was like oh, <clears throat> like you know, authorized user. So she all of a sudden had a huge increase in her limit, um, ton of yeah. on-time payments, and it dramatically increased her score. So if you've got a significant other with good credit who is willing to add you, um, I mean, barring relationship tension this could create, if you're the person <laughs> who asks, uh, that is one way to do it. There are other ways to do it. You can apply for a secured credit card. So that's like, I think those are the ones that have like collateral or something on them. Mm. You like that's put one $500 way you can start building in, credit. And then it's you honestly, spend. that's that's one of the best ways to start doing it if you're young because I think it was like sometime in 2009, uh, the government passed a law where you could not get a credit card under the age of 21 without getting a cosigner. Hmm. And I like slid by just before this deadline. I got mine like the beginning of 09, I think, um, in high school. And dude, I got know, so everyone, many in college. I got free t shirts, yeah. frisbees. I got a tape well, this measure. Is the from reason Home they Depot. passed this. This is the reason they passed this law because the credit card companies were just, you know, scamming these, you know, these kids that are just out of high school. They don't know what the heck's going on, and they they literally think it's free money. So for the cost I think of a frisbee, they could fuck yeah, their life. Yeah, it was a smart it was a smart move on the on the behalf of the government, but it does make it a little harder for a responsible kid to build credit before the age of twenty one. So you can do something like a secured credit card. You can also. Uh, if you have like an in-store credit account, like the Kohl's or like Best Buy or something, like you bought a washing machine or something and you had in-store credit, uh, you can, I believe, get those added to your credit report. Mm-hmm. They may not already be on there. and They should be on there. And they're usually the easiest ones should to be. get. Yeah, they're, they're pretty easy to do. And you can also add your uh, utilities at some, with, with some companies, you can add your, your utilities to your credit report. Not all. Uh, you can also do it with your rent. So... I think this was in 2011. They changed the laws so rent can actually go in your credit report, but you can't do it directly. You have to do it through third-party um, people. So the three ones you can do are William Paid, Rental Karma, and Rent Reporters. And if you have, if you're paying your rent through those, those can start building credit. The problem is um, there are fees. So like, I think with William Paid, dude, that's the real name of the service is William Paid. Yeah. Because um, first of all, look here. I just want so to say says, that I met a dude in person who was really cool. His name was William Paid. And really? Do you know what the short of William is? Bill Paid. Oh. <laughs> Bill Paid? What? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see it, but I'm doing the brain exploding thing right now. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. How cool is that? Holy shit. I feel like an idiot for not seeing that. Anywho, uh, it says here on, on, on the WikiHow. Um, Rent Reporters is free for the first 30 days, but then costs 10 bucks a month. Rental Karma is free and William Paid is free, but only if you pay your rent via electronic funds transfer. If you pay with cash or credit card, there's a 2.95% fee on the rental amount. So check those out. Um, If you set up your rent through those, I know like I didn't know William Paid was free through electronic funds transfer. I feel like I checked it out when I was in college. I will say I I went to, I searched William Paid and, uh, they they accepted um, rent payments until they stopped on March fifth, twenty fifteen. Oh, what really? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like the coolest name ever. 
Oh my gosh, you're right. The homepage of William Pate is just okay. Well, when, yeah. when I first started Listen Money Matters, like I actually wrote a whole article on uh, how to build your credit without a credit card, and it's it's on rent reporting, um, and just using them basically. Um. Okay. Well, it looks like Rental Karma still is. Rent reporting business. is still rental. So yeah, you could do Rental Karma. So I guess yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to check out the the fees and all that stuff because obviously stuff changes uh, while we're recording podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I heard about William Paid when I was uh, still in college. I think it was probably back in 2013 ish. So all right, well, William Paid's out, hmm. but uh, Rental Karma, Rent Reporters, you know. Um, yeah, I guess you got to balance the, if, if you end up having to pay a fee, you got to balance the, um, trade off there, you know, is paying a little bit of a fee on your rent worth building your credit might be if you need your credit. So, mm. oh, it's a good one. So I think that's, that's, that's enough talk on that Trojan horse of a question. This God, one, look what you did to us, Bradley. Yeah, Bradley, geez. <laughs> he knew exactly. <laughs> Listen Money Matters is brought to you by SoFi, a new kind of finance company. SoFi is helping people save money on their student debt. In fact, members who refinance their student loans save an average of $19,000. They get free perks like career services. That includes one-on-one career coaching, negotiation tips, and personal brand building services. The big banks don't do that, so don't bank. See how SoFi can help you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at sofi.com slash legal. All right, third question. This one's for you. I'm going to read it, but um, I don't know a whole ton of it. So this one comes from Zach. And he says, I stopped my contribution to my 403B today. And a 403B is like a teacher education style of a 401k, basically. Mm -hmm. He says, because the returns on it sucked a bag of dicks. <laughs> that's a technical term. His words, not mine. That's a technical term. <laughs> I was getting a guaranteed 3% and paying fees, which I'm confident I can improve upon by managing my investments myself. Damn right. What I've distributed so far is less than 3K, uh, 3K, yeah, 3K. And I've been putting into it for a while. I'd like to roll it over into something else, but the company I have the 403B with hits me with massive fees if I move the money over before the contract with them is up. And I can't move that money to anything other than another 403B according to the IRS. All that is to say, I'm willing to just cut my ties with that money for now since I still have it in my tiny portfolio, but just stop funding it. Now, I can spare about 150 to throw towards investments per month. I've already got a Betterment account with 25K in it and a California teacher's retirement account that automatically gets deducted from my check each month. So now I'm really wanting to build some wealth. So do I find a different 403B to fund, uh, fund to put money into or start a Betterment retirement account, which I can't touch for several years, or start a Vanguard account of some form, or throw a big chunk of money into Lending Club, or something I haven't heard about. So I guess he's just like, what do I do with my money in general? <laughs> um, so I think we can kind of build off of some of the things we've already talked about in the episode, like does your company have a 403B in your case, you know, in anyone else's case, a 401k that has matching? Mm. If not, if not, my philosophy on this is that putting your money into some company-sponsored plan is just artificially limiting your investment choices and probably not to the best ones. So, I, I agree, eh? and um, I have 
so I have my iHeart one. And then first of all, I, I get I have the the luck or, or the the a pleasure of seeing all of the shitty choices of like everyone in the audience because they they email us this stuff. Personally, my iHeart ones were bad, but fine. It's like a media company. When I was at Barclays, an investment bank, and the people who make the choices also work for the investment bank, they were shitty choices with like really high fees. Yeah. So generally, like I think that they're just bad choices. Um, but hey, if there's matching and it's free money, like it's definitely worth the cost. Yeah, the, I mean, the matching is like we said, it's 100% return on investment for every dollar they match. Mm. So I would invest up to and only what they will match and everything else. Well, if you want to know what I do, I've got my taxable accounts. I have the Vanguard REIT and I have the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund and I have some in Betterment. And then um, my retirement stuff is like Fidelity. I don't even know what accounts they are, but there are probably better choices of what a company would restrict me to. Yeah, and so. look, you could put it into an IRA, which I think is what he's referring to with the Betterment Retirement Account. Yeah. And uh, dude, you're, so it's post-tax money. So the cool mm-hmm. thing is, is like the 403B, when you contribute to it, it reduces your taxable income. So you pay yeah. less in taxes. So you keep more, but you're going to pay taxes in the future and withdaw. Um, hopefully less though. Hopefully, mean, hopefully less. less. If you're retired, you're not earning anything. The IRA, mm-hmm. granted, it's post tax. It goes in there and earns all those gains are tax free, like forever, as long as they're in there. And then we withdraw it. The money. Oh, with the Roth, you mean? Yeah. And then yeah. you withdraw, it and it's just yours, no taxes. So. Yeah, I would say you know it looks like he's a teacher. He's working a job. He's not an entrepreneur. So a Roth is probably a smarter idea. Mm-hmm. If you want to do the research, if you want to look at the the numbers and do some comparisons, we like Vanguard. Um, there are some very comparable fidelity funds. Both companies have lower fees than other companies, so I would stay away from the high fee stuff. Check that out. Otherwise, if you want a no brainer solution, that's why we recommend Betterment so much. You know, or potentially Wealthfront. Yeah, we've got uh, some comparisons on the site. You can check those out. And I would not mess with Lending Club until maybe you've established that kind of base. And then maybe it's like it's play money, you know, like Andrew, you've got a little bit of lending club investing mm. going on, don't you? I mean, like a little bit. I have twenty five hundred in there. It's, yeah. a, it's a small portion of my stuff. And the thing is, the the income that you get from it is tax your normal taxable rate. So it's mm-hmm. definitely not a retirement account. It's just like uh, a solid investment account. I get I get like a, yeah. well over 10 percent returns, but it's also a pain in the ass to do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, build your base on the, the less pain in the ass the PETA stuff <laughs> and then uh, start branching out from there and uh, invest to your comfort level and your knowledge level. Cool. Moving on to question number four. This comes from Brian. He says, fellas, first off, let me start by saying I love the podcast and website. Thank you, Brian. Um, let's see here. So he says, anyway, I'm 26 living in Hoboken. So listening to Andrew speak about living here and not being financially reckless was a real slap in the face for me. <laughs> Woo! What are you talking about? Andrew's totally financially reckless. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> If you, you walk just have by to be more of a financial baller than your like recklessness score, then it all shakes out. Exactly. Like if you walk by my apartment, there may be dollar bills flying out the window. I just, you know, taking up I space. Just, <laughs> I remember going we like we went to sushi lounge when I was there mm-hmm. and like the bill came and I saw it and I was like, Oh my god, this is so much. Andrew, do you wanna help me like have me help pay this? And you looked at Laura and you were like, This is less than what we 
have, <laughs> but we pay for just two of us. I, <laughs> I, like, I know. I think we must have ordered like no drinks or something. Because because we didn't like order. Like I think Laura and I had a drink. You guys like didn't. I think the whole bill for me. You, Laura, Anna was like eighty something dollars. We're like yeah. Laura and I will go out. We'll have dinner, and it'll be like one forty or something. Oh and that well, like we'll be like, all right, that's fine. That's like what we expected. Anyway, I totally like. I was like, like, I was like, what? You rail from this question? Are we here? on question six? What? What question? We, we are still on question four. Anyway, he says, he says, my question for you guys is about my four hundred one k with my new job. I'm going to be eligible to start contributing this month. And I found out that there is no employer match like my old job. The bastards. Do you guys recommend a certain percentage to contribute or should I not contribute at all? Is there another investment vehicle vehicle I should be considering? Uh, let's see here. In my last job, I always made sure I made the match. And in the six months since I started this new job, I have opened a Vanguard Roth IRA and plan out to match the contribution. In my mind, I would contribute to the 401k anyway just to harness the pre-tax benefits and compound interest, etc., etc., it comes uh, along with contributing to the IRA, but I just wanted to bounce this on off of you. So yeah, real short answer, and I think we have already answered it in this episode. If they're not going to contribute, fuck them. Well, okay. So here's the thing: is because I actually I just want to be clear. Like, uh, I, I feel like we come across very anti 401ks, and here's the thing: there are people who have 401ks, and and the options are like Vanguard funds. That's fantastic. You get. You get pre-tax benefits, right? You invest in the four, like the Vanguard funds, like which you might have done with a taxable account, but you get the benefit of reducing your taxes today. The problem is that usually your, your investment choices are really shitty. But can I play devil's advocate with you real mm-hmm. quick here, though? So there, you might have a great 401k that gives you all the choices you want, right, mm-hmm. with Vanguard funds. But if they're not matching, what's the difference? Like, I guess, I guess the only difference is psychological, and that you Here, here's get the a core. paycheck with the money already taken out. No, but you no. Can set up, you can set up auto investing, so you get your paycheck without your contribution going to your four hundred one k, and then you have an auto investment Vanguard that puts into the exact same fund you could have had in the first place. You're getting no benefit by using the four hundred one k because there's no matching. And if you quit your job, you don't have to go roll that 401k over to your new company. Dude. You have control of your investment. You, you just laid out like like the red carpet for the philosophical like conversation of like why, right? Because yeah. so and then here's the thing. Like if, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while and you buy into all the, the things that Thomas and I uh, feel like starting your own business and like the thought that you're going to build things that earn you money so when you're 60 you're definitely going to be earning more than you are when you're 30 like obviously you know but that but that's our approach and i think most people are not doing that most people are following a more traditional path where they're maybe they're peaking in their income in their like mid 40s you know and eventually it trails down they retire at like 65 and then they're done and then they're then they're uh, living off of their retirement and there's nothing wrong with that and but the thing is, if that is the path that you're following, you damn well better be contributing to a 401k because your tax rate today when you're earning is going to be so much higher than your tax rate in the future when you're just living off of your 401k withdrawals. So your income is much lower. So then the thing. You're, a 401k is tax rate 401k? arbitrary. I'm, yeah. Why are we saying 401k and IRA? 
Okay, so but that's the thing is an IRA is different. He's talking about a 401k. So in in the traditional sense, the I the 401k is tax rate arbitrage. If you don't believe oh, okay, yeah. if you don't believe that you will earn less in the future or if your 401k choices are so oppressively bad that you're actually going to make you're you're going to wind up not making out as a result, you know, like the fees are like 1%, you know, and then there's a management fee on the account. And I mean, this is often the case, and I, I highly recommend you create a personal capital account. They'll suck in all the details of your funds. The account's free. Um, and Am then I they'll using myself again with a traditional IRA. Traditional IRA. Whatever you trans, whatever you contribute is taken off of your uh, your income. Yes, but not for but, taxes. But not everyone has uh, that as an option. Can you not? Or, can you not open a traditional IRA with Vanguard? I don't know. Can you? I, I mean, I like, I, I, I don't think, uh, I'm going to be like so confused if you can't. Yeah. IRAs for Vanguard right here. Benefit from tax breaks. Save on taxes now with a deduction or save later with a tax free withdrawal. Like you can get a traditional IRA or a Roth from Vanguard mm, or better. Right. Or Fidelity. And then you get the, you get the tax deduction There's at the no end of the difference year. difference between doing it yourself or letting your company do it with your 401k, except for that now your company controls it and you got to go through the rigmarole of rolling it over when uh, you get job. God damn it. Fine. No Thomas difference. is right. Thomas is right. You could just, and you'll get your taxes back into your tax return. So, yeah. so it will be pre-tax. You could just do it yourself. And honestly, yeah, the there's no match. Letting somebody take care of it for you and mm. the money's coming out of your paycheck. But hey, if you set up auto withdrawal and you set it up for like the day after you get paid, I don't think you're going to screw with it. You know what? You know, if you do, this is the kind of rule I've been thinking and like dreaming up here. Mm. What I found is at certain points in my life, I'll set up rules and systems to make myself do things. And then over time, I'll realize that I comply with it. I can, I can trust myself. And sometimes I can take some of the, you know, the training wheels off. Mm. But over time with some of these systems, my willpower, my habits deteriorate. And I realize, okay, I have to say, fuck my ego. I have to go put the training wheels and go put the restrictions back on. Mm. And if that's the case, you know, you go do that. So maybe, maybe, maybe the answer is test it. See if you can set up systems and manage your money yourself. And if you can't, if you're just like, I'm, I'm just, you know, turning off the auto investment because I really want to buy a boat, then sure, go start contributing to your 401k. But then again, mm. you might take loans out of your 401k if you're that kind of person as well. True. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that, that's a really good point. Something you should you should uh, exploit if you're going to get a match. Damn. No, you, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I think that's an excellent point. You should, um, especially if you're following like the traditional arc of like retirement at 65. Uh, if you're 401k, there's no matching, and and you can't invest in what you want to. Why not just go yeah. to Vanguard? Boom. Mm. Also, I, I do have a little bone to pick. You said there's nothing wrong with just retiring in 65 and living off that stuff. Mm. I do think there's something wrong with it, and I want to do an episode on that. <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> I read a book recently that had like a whole chapter on like why the retirement concept is broken and like wrong. Well, because people be die episode. earlier when they don't have purpose. Yeah. It's like just there, like, there's tons of studies that show when you stop working. Yeah, uh, it's just a way to like like take yourself out of everything that gives your life purpose and meaning. I think it's and the thing is purpose. You have to have purpose. 
Right. And you have to have work like they do autopsies on like these 90 year old nuns that have died. And like they look at their brains and like, holy crap, they have like Alzheimer's and dementia and deterioration all over the place. But because they kept working until the day they died, their brains rewired around it and they like completely staved off all the symptoms of dementia to the point where we didn't know they had them until we autopsied their brains. Like I want, I want to do a whole episode on this. Like this is a topic I really want to talk about. I would love but, to like, do an episode on that. You can go back and look at like marketing campaigns that were designed to convince Americans that that the twilight years are entirely for leisure mm. and self-absorption and that is not what it's about. And I just hate that we have this culture that's like you should get old and and do whatever the hell you want and also keep working right now and stress yourself out and eat bad food which is going to just destroy your life expectancy and then you'll end up with a debilitating disease it's like no won't let you work when you're old post 65 you work two or three days a week and it's on there shit you that go. you like yeah you know or or yeah like i i think i definitely think you should be saving for retirement i mean that's what i'm doing that's why i had the whole like retire at 40 concept of you know early retirement because for me retirement is just a retirement means i can now choose to work on whatever i want regardless of the profit potential you know, you know i'd be building sustainable housing i, I don't want i don't want to go like too far out on like uh the the pedestal because i mean i think they really know how we feel but a lot of people will say that um well like building uh, business building or whatever is like that's not for me and i i think that um this whole like business like the word if, if anything's scary it's like dude you just make money on the side and ah oh, damn I had, I had a really good i had a really good point i totally lost it <laughs> how about that i don't even think you have to make money like i don't know what- ah ah so so the whole point sorry it was like totally unimportant also the whole point is like because they have other shit to do like watch the real housewives of new jersey you know <laughs> and is that was that episode really that important hey man i saw you watching the bachelor yeah you that's true you did see us watching. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's public my, my i don't know what that guy i don't know which girl that guy's my, gonna choose he told two of them he loved them my credibility is shot, up. Thomas. Thanks. <laughs> you can just blame Laura for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. Cover you. we, we I'll go. Cover your we back. buy like a Rex Goliath of wine. <laughs> we we turn the bachelor on and just like chug the shit out of it, <laughs> and just yell the TV like everyone else in the country, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we don't. We definitely don't do that. We're watching Game of Thrones, which mm. is amazing this season. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's. Uh, that's so what I'm far, doing so far, worth the wait. Mm. And yeah. Anywho, we have one more question to get through. Let's do it. So let's do it. Uh, this question comes from Anna, and she says, "I live in New Jersey, and I'm currently making about 50k a year. I've got a car loan that is about 6,200 dollars, and I have student loans that equal about 10k. Now, I recently was accepted into grad school at Stevens Institute of Technology for Business Analytics. I swear I'm not stalking Andrew. <laughs> is that where you went, Andrew? Did you go to Stevens? I, you know, I applied to early decision to Stevens for undergrad, and okay. they rejected me. Uh, Dude, gotcha. the campus is probably the most beautiful. It's, it's on the top of the hill, overlooking Manhattan. Because it has, like, that beautiful view. Yeah, Manhattan. Ah, uh, dude, like, I wish I lived everything. there. Like, I, I live in Hoboken, but I really wish I lived, like, on their campus. It is sick. I gotta say, I was pretty impressed walking through Hoboken. Like, it's just got a lot of culture and kind of history to it. Mm. But then when I got to the water, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is like the best view of Manhattan that you can get. And I, I tweeted that. I was like, 
best view of Manhattan you can get is from Hoboken. And then like some snarky people I follow, who follow me from New York City, they were like, yeah, it's because you don't have to look at New Jersey. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, people in New York, they have to look at Hoboken. Suckers. <laughs> Anywho. So she's accepted into Stevens. Uh, it says part-time tuition per class is $4,500. Holy crap. Um, and my question is, should I defer my acceptance to next year and pay off my car loan first? Or should I take one class in the fall? I should know that my company pays my education up to $6,000 contingent on getting at least a B or higher. So this one's, this one's super easy. Do it now. Spend less money and pay off your car loan and go to school and be a boss. I have a little more granular answer than that, but yeah, I could do that. Okay. So the one thing is, I don't know if there's enough detail here to provide a complete answer. Cause I don't know is $6,000. Is that company like the $6,000 is that a one-time thing or is that per semester per class per school year? Like how much, uh, essentially you're saying the 4,500. No, no. It says like, I should know my company pays for my education. Oh, 6, the 6,000. Uh, Does that mean $6,000 per semester or is it like just a $6,000 grant and you got to pay everything else? I so imagine it's a one time. It might be. Uh, how many classes do you need to take to get this grad degree? Bottom line, how much money is coming out of your pocket to take these classes? And is your income going to take a hit at all while you take these classes? Mm. Like, is it going to be night school and you're still going to be making your 50K or is it going to impede your work somehow? And like, do you, do you know, like, um, how much this degree will affect your income? Like, do you know that yeah. you get this degree and yep. your income is immediately going to go up 5k a year or like your options uh, of jobs are going to explode in terms of, especially if your company's paying for it, like they're going to be a little peeved if you go take another position at some other company, you know, there's probably so one to, like, to stay for like two years afterwards. Yeah. Or, yeah. Is my company going to promote me if I have this degree? So there's really three answers here. If your company's paying for your schooling entirely or the grand majority of it, and you're going to be able to continue to work and make your current salary and go to school, I'm assuming you're able to make your payments right now. So go take the night school, you know, sleep a little less and get it done. Assuming you've got good reasons to go. You know, if you have a plan, is your, is your company going to promote you, etc. On the other hand, if you're going to have to pay like a huge amount out of pocket or if you're going to have to take loans, and, or if you're going to have to stop working, I would recommend holding off and I would stack method your debt and I would pay off the car loan and any non-federal student loans you yeah. have. So if you have federal student loans, you can put that into like a income-based repayment plan or income contingent or pay-as-you-earn. All of those, uh, the pay-as-you-earn specifically, keeps your monthly payments to under 10% of your discretionary income. So there's really no way that like it's going to you know make your head go under the water. But the private loans and the car loans don't have any protections like that. So I would try to get rid of those first. So I want to go with the assumption that that she is absolutely done the cost benefit analysis of this degree. And it makes sense to get the degree like like what she has. It's a business analytics. Degree. It's definitely. Yeah, it's actually it, that's a pretty good uh, job for this area. There's definitely a lot of need yeah. for that. But so if if it's definitely decided that the degree will make financial sense, I would say there's no reason to put it off and wait, especially if, if it will make financial sense to get the degree. So get the degree now and compromise on your lifestyle now. Um, and, as long and, as you can keep paying your debt. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, yeah, if you're going to uh, default on your debt, that's dumb. 
Um, so I think that you should do it. And I think that if you're in school, you should live the school lifestyle. You should live like a student and basically Robin. Um, but, and, and maybe. I, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you ate other things besides I guess ramen. You got to like you said, you got to do the cost benefit, you mm-hmm. know, cause like you could take the same argument you're making right now and apply it to take private loans to go to school, bro. Mm. You know, which I don't recommend. So I don't know. And you got to look at your own financial situation. It that's is, true. is one year to pay off that debt. It, I guess the question is, can you pay off that entire car loan in one year? If you can, and the rest of your debt is federal, like then you're really not putting a whole lot at risk to do it. Mm. I'll also say, just as a side note, that everyone who's emailed me um, that they're like, hey, I want to come to Hoboken and grab a beer. Like you available, I've always said yes. So if you want to talk about it and and you have enough to buy me a beer, I'll be there. Hoboken beers are like $7, though. Yeah, true. (laughs) Anna and I went to a bar recently. Mm. And um, like this was after all the travel I've been doing. Like I went to New York and everything. And then it was like a mixed drink was like $3.50. This was where? Here in Iowa. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember which bar it was, but I was like, oh my God. I forgot that was what drinks are supposed to cost. (laughs) (laughs) Ten dollars in New York City. Oh my god. All right. So hopefully we answered your questions adequately, guys. If you've got other questions, listen moneymatters at gmail.com is our email address. Mm. Or you can ask questions in our community where smarter people than we will probably answer them for you. Before we get on the show, uh, you can find that over at listenmoneymatters.com slash join. We've got lots of cool stuff that's coming down the pipeline for our community members in the future as well. So check it out. Otherwise, our toolbox is full of cool resources, books, apps, and all other kinds of stuff at uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So check it out. And I think that's all we got. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Later, man. Later, dude. about this show. We'd like to thank SoFi for supporting the show. If you have debt, you should make it cheaper. Visit SoFi.com for details. Taking care of business every day.